Omnimonarayanaya, welcome back. Today we're reading chapter 19, The Killing of the Demon, Hiranyaksha. After hearing the words of Brahma, the creator, which were free from the sinful purposes and as sweet as nectar, the Lord heartily laughed and accepted his prayer with a glance laden with love. The Lord, who had appeared from the nostril of Brahma, sprang and aimed his mace at the chin of his enemy, the Hiranyaksha demon, who was stalking fearlessly before him. Struck down by the demon's mace, however, the lord's mace slipped from his hand and looked splendid as it fell down, whirling. This was miraculous, for the mace was blazing wonderfully. Even though the, lo the demon had an excellent opportunity to strike his unarmed foe without obstruction, he respected the law of single combat, thereby kindling the fury of the supreme lord. As the Lord's mace fell to the ground, and a cry of alarm arose from the witnessing crowd of gods and rishis, Lord Vishnu acknowledged the demon's love of righteousness, and therefore invoked his Sudarshana discus. As the discus began to revolve in the Lord's hands, and the Lord contented at close quarters with the chief of his Vaikuntha attendants, who had been born as Hiranyaksha, a vile son of Diti, there issued from every direction strange expressions uttered by those who were witnessing from airplanes. They had no knowledge of the Lord's reality and cried, May victory attend you. May you dispatch him. Pray no more with him. When the demon saw Lord Vishnu, who had eyes like lotus petals, standing in position before him, armed with his Darshana disc, his senses were overpowered by indignation. He began to hiss like a serpent, and he bit his lip in great resentment. The demon, who had fearful toss, stared at Lord Vishnu as though to burn him. Springing into the air, he aimed his mace at the Lord, exclaiming at the same time, You are slain. While his enemy looked on, the Lord, in his boar form, the enjoyer of all sacrificial offerings, playfully knocked down the mace with his left foot, even as it came down upon him with the force of a tempest. The Lord said, Take up your weapon and try again, eager as you are to conquer me. Challenged in those words, the demon named his mace at the Lord and once more loudly roared. When the Lord saw the mace flying towards him, he stood firmly where he was and caught it with the same ease as Garuda, the king of birds, would seize a serpent. Thus, valor f was frustrated, and the great demon felt humiliated and was put out of continence. He was reluctant to take back the mace when it was offered by Lord Vishnu. He now took a trident, which was like flaming fire, and hurled it against the Lord, the enjoyer of all sacrifices, even as one would use penance for a malevolent purpose against a holy Brahmana. Hurled by the mighty demon with all his strength, the flying trident shone brightly in the sky. Lord Vishnu, however, tore it to pieces with his discus Sudarshana, which had a sharp-edged rim, even as Indra cut off a wing of Garuda. The demon was enraged when his trident was cut to pieces by the discus of the Lord. He therefore advanced towards the Lord and, roaring loud, struck his hard fist against the Lord's broad chest, which bore the mark of Srivatsa. Then he went out of sight. Hit in this manner by the demon, the Lord who had appeared as the first boar 
did not feel the least quaking in any part of his body, any more than an elephant when struck with a wreath of flowers. The demon, however, employed many conjuring tricks against Lord Vishnu, who is the Lord of Yogamaya. At the sight of this, the people were filled with alarm and thought that the dissolution of the universe was near. Fierce winds began to blow from all directions, spreading darkness occasioned by dust and hailstorms. Stones came in volleys from everywhere, as if thrown by machine guns. The luminaries in outer space disappeared to the skies, being overcast with masses of clouds, which were accompanied by lightning and thunder. The rain poured pus, hair, blood, stool, urine, and bones, and everything unexpected. Mountains discharged weapons of various kinds. Naked demonesses armed with tridents appeared with their hair hanging loose. Cruel and savage slogans were uttered by hosts of ruffian yakshas and akashasas who had either marched on foot or rode on horses and elephants and chariots to appear there. The Lord, the personal enjoyer of all sacrifices, now discharged his beloved Sudarshana disc which was capable of dispersing the magical forces displayed by the demon. At that very moment, a shudder suddenly ran to the heart of Diti, the mother of Hiranyaksha. She recalled the words of her husband, Kasyapa, and blood flowed from her breasts. When the demon saw his magic forces dispelled, he once again came into the presence of the Lord, and full of rage, tried to embrace him with his arms to crush him, but to his great amusement, and amazement, he found the Lord standing outside the circle of his arms. <laughs> oh, the demon, angered, now began to strike the Lord with his hard fists. But the Lord slapped him in the root of his ear, even as Indra, the Lord of Maruts, hit the demon Vritta. Though struck indifferently by the Lord, the conqueror of all, the demon's body began to wheel. His eyeballs bulged out, bulged out of his sockets. His arms and legs broken and the hair on his head scattered, he fell down dead, like a gigantic tree uprooted by the wind. Aja, Abrahma, and others arrived on the spot to see the fearfully tusked demon lying on the ground, biting his lip. The glow of his face was yet unfaded, and Brahma admiringly said, Who could meet such blessed death? He was struck by a forefoot of the Lord whom yogis, seeking freedom from their unreal material bodies, meditate upon in seclusion in mystic trance. While gazing on his countenance, this crest jewel of Didi's son has cast off his mortal coil. Two personal assistants of the Supreme Lord, those who had been cursed and who had been destined to take birth in demonic families. After a few such births, they will return to their own positions, and here one lies. The demigods addressed the Lord. All obeisances unto you, you are the enjoyer of all sacrifices, and you have assumed the form of a boar, impure goodness, for the purpose of maintaining the world. You have a... You, fortunately for us, this demon, who has been a torment to the worlds, has been slain by you, and we too. O oh Lord, we are now at ease in devotion to your lotus feet. After this killing the most formidable demon, the Supreme Lord Harry, the origin of the boar species, returned to his own abode, 
where there is always uninterrupted festival. This story has been narrated by me as I heard it from my predecessor, spiritual master. Sri Sutukasami said, My dear Brahmana, Vijara, the great devotee of the Lord, achieved transcendental bliss by hearing the narration of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of ha Godhead from Sri Maitreya, an authoritative sage, and he was very pleased. What to speak of hearing the pastimes of the Lord whose chest is marked with Srivastha? People may take transcendental pleasure even in hearing the works and deeds of the devotees whose fame is immortal. Lord Vishnu delivered the king of the elephants who was attacked by an alligator and who meditated upon the lotus feet of the Lord. At the time, the female elephants who accompanied him were crying and the Lord saved them from impending danger. What grateful soul is there who would not render his loving service to such a great master as Lord Vishnu? The Lord can easily be pleased by spotless devotees who resort exclusively to him for protection, though the unrighteous man finds it difficult to do such, to take shelter in his lotus feet. Brahmanas, anyone who hears, chants, or takes pleasure in the wonderful narration of the killing of the Hiranyaksha demon by the Lord, who appeared as the first four in order to deliver the world, is at once relieved of the results of sinful activity even the killing of a brahmana. The most sacred narrative confers extraordinary merit, wealth, fame, longevity, and all the objects of one's desire. On the field of battle, it promotes the strength of one's vital organs and organs of action. One who listens to it at the last moment of his life is transferred to the supreme abode of the Lord, my dear Shanaka. And thus ends chapter 19, The Fight of Lord Boar. So, there's one translation thing I saw on here that uh, bugged me. Um, where was it? Oh my gosh. It was, it was a, oh, uh, machine guns. Verse, verse 18. Stones came in volleys from every corner as if thrown by machine guns. When this book was originally written, I, I don't even, did they even have guns? I, I know they didn't have machine guns. They had catapults. That's a translation issue. I mean, but we understand what the machine gun is, and, and it's really the perfect, that tr -tr 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 -tr, that force is really the perfect, um, is, is, is the perfect translation in terms of a description. So I was going to ask, after the story ended, a question, and then the question was kind of answered for me in the last two paragraphs. I wanted to ask, what is the meaning of this story? What will it do for you spiritually? When you read this, yes, it's a story... I think to my modern ears, it sounds kind of something like out of a manga or an anime. It's this big over-the-top fight between these creatures. It seems almost mythological to me, and I've said that before. So whether you see it as myth or whether you see it as an honest telling of an actual event, um, talking, what does it mean to you? How can you take the story? What can you do with it? How can you interpret it? How can you find something from it um, of spiritual value to you? I ask that question a lot for things, particularly things like this, and I'm just like, ah, this just seems like information, and information is good, but what do you, what do, you do with that information? Um, so I'm just going to leave that question there. And let you answer that in the comments below, or comment on anything else on the story of Lord Boar. Also, 
Why a boar? If I was fighting a big demon, I don't know. I, they talk about elephants so much, I think I'd rather be an elephant or an alligator or something. Why a boar? That's not an, that's not an animal that I actually know so much about. Maybe it's got a tough hide or something. But I think of a boar as maybe not having big feet either. Yet this boar obviously can hold things so it has opposable thumbs. So, not too sure about that. Anyways, <laughs> you take over this conversation, please. And I'm going to say Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry Harry, Harry Rama, Harry Rama, Rama Rama, Harry Harry.